the tough reality of affordable VR. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Ross Rubin, Principal Analyst at Reticle Research and ZDNet Contributor. Welcome, Ross. Oh, hi, uh, Tanya. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. Give us a brief summary of your background, if you will. Uh, sure. So I've been uh, an industry analyst uh, following uh, consumer technology uh, since the late 90s. Uh, I started uh, research services at Jupiter Research uh, when the consumer internet was just becoming a thing. Uh, and uh, I tracked the rise of uh, smartphones and uh, other devices we use a lot today at the NPD group for about eight years uh, before starting my own firm. You wrote an article for ZDNet on the tough reality of affordable VR. Define mm. affordable, um, then, and, and then tell us the tough part. Sure. So one of the advantages that virtual reality has over, say, augmented reality is that we have seen a lot of these lower end headsets uh, under $200, sometimes even under $100, that have been launched with the idea of making virtual reality very accessible. And they have resulted in a little bit of a boom in, in terms of content, uh, but it's been tough to keep the excitement up in the market. How would you characterize the state of the consumer VR market in the mid 2020s as we are where we are right now? I mean, it's, it's still very focused on gaming. Uh, one of the most popular offerings has been the PlayStation VR system, which uh, of course is connected uh, and, and tied to that console. Uh, we saw Facebook have some success and generate some excitement uh, with the Oculus Go, which was their entry level headset uh, that was available for about uh, $200. Uh, but Facebook recently said that it was going to discontinue that model because consumers wanted a richer experience that involves six degrees of freedom, more flexibility in terms of how you can move around the environment. Uh, and that's only really delivered by, a more, by their more expensive products, uh, including the, the Oculus Quest. Where do you think they're getting uh, this feedback that consumers actually want a, a less expensive uh, VR option? Is this um, based on sales or what do you attribute that to? Well, I think some of it is consumer feedback. Some of it is developer feedback uh, because the nature of the installed base is, is very small right now. Uh, developers have to think carefully about which platforms they want to target. And so this idea of a VR headset that offers this enhanced flexibility when it comes to moving around is part of that is coming from the developers that say, we want to be able to assume a certain baseline level of functionality. Now, uh, there are many discussions about how Facebook is probably going to introduce a new headset this year, uh, which will probably be a more advanced headset and offer new capabilities. And if that's the case, they may have an opportunity to make the Oculus Quest a, a more affordable option and perhaps bring it down closer to that $200, $250 price point uh, that generated a lot of excitement for the Oculus Go. How about Moore's Law as applied to VR? Are there any technological breakthroughs on the horizon that might bring us a step up in performance or for, for mass market uh, price? 
Well, absolutely. I, you know, a lot of the components that we see inside of these headsets uh, are actually very similar components that we see inside smartphones. So, for example, uh, Qualcomm announced a new version of its uh, VR processing chip uh, late last year. They have been in a number of uh, VR and augmented reality headsets, uh, and I think it's, it's a good bet that whatever new headset that Facebook or Oculus comes out with uh, later this year, it's probably going to use that, that more advanced chip. And some of the advantages that it offers, uh, for example, is the ability, uh, one of the advantages it offers is the ability to use multiple cameras, more cameras than uh, have been possible in the past, uh, which allows for things like more accurate head tracking, more accurate eye tracking, um, the ability to mix virtual and actual reality by having some of the cameras point outward. So we're seeing this convergence between VR and, and AR. Sometimes it's called mixed reality. Uh, the broader category is sometimes called extended reality. Uh, but consumers are definitely starting to get more of a taste of this through their smartphones. Uh, and over time, we're going to see those headsets come down in price uh, to deliver more of that experience in, on an untethered basis. How might 5G change the VR landscape? So uh, you might guess, particularly with uh, Qualcomm being active in this market, uh, 5G is something that, that they're very excited uh, about. Uh, when you look at some of the plans that the carriers are thinking about for 5G, VR and particularly augmented reality uh, really play as perhaps the most attractive uh, consumer functionality that, that will drive new usage. The idea that you want very low latency in order to make these worlds seem uh, realistic. Uh, you want them to be able to support massive uh, numbers of uh, participants in, in the case of a, a group VR or augmented reality game or, or adventure. Uh, and so, uh, for example, this was one of the, the goals that uh, Magic Leap was trying to achieve with, with its uh, augmented reality headset. But it's clearly a lot of work uh, to bring together the hardware, the software, the content. Uh, and so they have had to refocus on the enterprise market. Uh, where we have actually seen uh, a lot of activity uh, in terms of uh, VR as well, uh, but a lot of those headsets are in the thousands of dollars uh, and are really intended for applications like designing automobiles or designing jets uh, where super high resolution is far more important than it is in, say, the, the games market. Ross Rubin, Principal Analyst at Reticle Research and ZDNet contributor. If somebody wants to connect with you, Ross, maybe they want to find out more about this and your work. How can they do that? Uh, sure. Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter uh, at Ross Rubin and our website is reticleresearch.com. Thanks again, Ross. And find more of my interviews right here or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.